Coming up this week on the Smitty and Mitty Show, we'll talk to Canadian Forces airline pilot Captain Stephen Sparks from the Snowbirds about his career and what it takes to become a snowbird. Don't go anywhere. The Smitty and Mitty Show, coming up next. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty Mini Show back for another week here on Podcast Form. Thank you for joining us and thank you for listening here on episode 48 of the Smitty and Mitty show. Smitty, uh, going to be just for the interview. Mitty will join us right now and we'll talk and we'll do everything. But when it comes to the interview, it is just going to be Smitty. A big thank you goes out to our sponsors, Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial Inc. in Cardin. Life is brighter under the sun. Mitty, we got a lot to do today. A lot planned. A lot planned on the show and we apologize for everyone. Uh, this was recorded um, before the weekend. We had a busy weekend planned with the Smitty and Mitty show battle going down in King Carden on Sunday. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that maybe on next week's podcast. As uh, you are about to hear an interview that my good friend, Mr. Smith, took over for himself because I was incapacitated with a baby that night. I, I feel uh, like I'm just doing all the solo stuff lately. Eh? It's turned into the Smitty show. Listen, when you find somebody that loves you very much and wants to have a baby with you, I will very happily take control of the show for a week or a week or so uh, until you can get your feet underneath you. I am that a kind week, of friend. A week or a week or so. I That's feel like I've been. given you like two. She was born been, two weeks ago. She's two weeks today and I'm here. I'm yes. here to do it. You're, I was on the podcast last week. Okay, okay, okay. I'll let it slide. Smitty Mitty Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is where you can find us, as well as the Smitty and Mitty Show on YouTube, where I have not uploaded any of the interviews yet because I am extremely lazy. Well, you're busy. You're a busy man. A busy man. Busy, lazy man. London majors calls. You're trying to work on a relationship yourself. Uh, we miss. I miss our relationship. I'm umpiring again. Umpiring and making some money. You're trying to fix the studio. That's trying been, to fix the studio. I just got word weeks. that I gotta like my grandparents are moving, so now I gotta renovate their house to sell. Like, dude, it is nonstop. And of course, we have the Smitty and Mitty show. But the aforementioned interview with just Noah. He is joined by Captain Stephen Sparks of Snowbirds 6. We'll be joining him. Uh, obviously, the Canadian Snowbirds, an amazing acro- air acrobats. Can we call it that? Aero acrobats. Is that the right term? Yeah, they were, they're were they airplane pilots. Okay. Okay. I tried to go with the fancier word. You went with air. <laughs> you went with airplane pilots. So congratulations. They're Somewhere in the pilots. middle. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Did you ask them about the uh, the inside right, the outside left, what all those things meant? You're going to have to listen. And I have to listen and find out. I did. Oh, I did. I did. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler was, alert. Was it interesting or was it not interesting? You're going to have to find out. I feel out. like it could, that could be a question that's either they're <laughs> sitting, they're either sitting on the wing of the plane with like Wii controllers trying to control it, or it's just like a, a 
technical military term. No, it's where he's located in the diamond, right? Because they fly in a diamond. Oh, so, Snowbird Six. And actually, if you go back and watch, as soon as I get these interviews on YouTube, I swear I'll get them up there eventually. For two, three months. Go and look at it. Or you can watch on Rogers TV London. That show replays a couple times throughout the week. If you look on the uniform that he is wearing, there is a, uh, a bunch of the planes flying in diamond formation embroidered on his shirt. And his is actually highlighted where he is in the formation. Is that Super so he cool. doesn't forget? So, I don't know. So people can know who it is. So he knows where to fly. He's up there in the air. He's looking down yeah. at his chest. Does remember a time where Captain uh, Sparks is, uh, is flying through the air? <laughs> he's like, oh, I forget. I forget. I forget. He's trying to pull a suit out. I don't what think that happens very Alpha, often. Alpha Romeo trying to check out the uh, 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 wrong side. Yeah. yeah, super cool. Anyways, we'll hear more about that in the second Alpha segment. Alpha Romeo. That's his airplane talk. Uh, Alpha Romeo? Yeah. That it just yells AF. Alpha Romeo? Yeah. yeah. Those are, Alpha uh, Romeo is AF. It wouldn't be AR? That wouldn't be... Oh, yeah, it is AR. It wouldn't be AR? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Summer Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, kicking off this week. As we record, we are about 12, 10 hours, 12 10 hours, hours away from opening ceremonies. The Olympics have already taken place. We are we are just shy of opening ceremonies. I'll be watching a little bit of it. It's a 6.30 a.m. Friday uh, television play. I think I'll be up for it. I'll be up. I will definitely be up with the baby, so I'm sure I'll watch a bit. But if it's a 6.30 start, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't have to watch till 7.30, right? Is it only an hour? No, it's 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 supposed to be oh, an hour oh, and a half God, to two hours, you. right? But well, the hour, the first hour is just is just countries walking out, right? Like I don't need to see Somalia walk back out with you know no shirt and and just have everyone drooling over them. I don't need to watch that, right? I know the yeah, countries. Uh-huh. I don't need to see the people in the countries. I just want to see the cool stuff they're going to do. I was looking forward to seeing what Canada's wearing, and actually, before we came on, we were talking, and I think there's only going to be like. 30 or so Canadians in the opening ceremonies because of all the, uh, you know, restrictions they have. They're not allowed to come until it's five days before their event. So a bulk of the Canadian athletes won't even be in the opening ceremonies, which, as you know, we've talked to Olympians on the show before. That's like one of the biggest moments, right? Like one of the biggest Uh, I don't want to say it's one of the biggest reasons you're there, but something you certainly look forward to. So for those athletes, how much does that suck? eh? You don't get to go to the opening ceremony. I feel like it would be my least favorite part. And like I took play a completely different event. I'm going to throw my hands up and say this, but I took part in the Ontario summer games in baseball back in the day. And you had to sit through the opening ceremonies. It was like mm. a three hour event. And you hated um, it. It was terrible. It was terrible. Mm. It was hot out. We just wanted to go back and, and do nothing for, and then get ready for our games the next day. You know, you got your badges and you had walked to the, they walked you out and everyone cheered for you and your parents were there. And yeah. there's a lot of people like it was fun, but I that mean, it was, it was, it was honestly the worst part of the event. I would no, no, I agree with you now that I think back at it. Cause like, uh, through like international silver stick, there's opening ceremonies and just boring, man. Like, like you said, you don't want to be there. Like you just want to go, I got a game in an hour and a half. Like I don't need to be out here carrying a flag. Like we're all from Ontario. Come some teams from the states. Cool. How about this? How about this? So, my midget year, we lost to Collingwood in the finals of silver of regional silver stick. Uh, the a Buffalo team, I believe, had to drop out, so they sent us an invite and said, "If you guys want to come to international silver stick, you're the next team up. Let us know." Our families voted no to go to international <laughs> silver stick. We weren't allowed to go, and Collingwood ended up actually winning by like 15. So we would have 
in the final. So like we would have been right there. It was very frustrating. That, that was my one chance they to go to international. Ve- silver vetoed stick. your only chance to go to international silver stick. Yeah. It was like two weeks out from the event basically. And they're like, we don't want to figure out how to get there and, and spend the money. So we're just going to say no. Where was your international silver stick? Was it I want to say that was in Chicago. Oh, it was in the States too. Yeah. It was in the States. Ours was in Forest, Ontario. Oh, that's population sucks. of like 2,500 people. That sucks hard. Yeah. It's also like 40 minutes from my house. So exactly. That is terrible. Yeah. Ours was <laughs> in the States. It was it's like I think the it was worst Chicago. place to go. Like my brother went earlier and anyway, we're getting way off topic, but my brother went when he was younger and it was in Niagara Falls. Also would be a cool place to have an international. It's, it's better than forest. What, better than forest, Ontario. No offense. If you're from forest, Ontario and listen to this, but uh, no, no, take the offense because forest, Ontario is not a great place to host an international silver stick. I think I officiated in that tournament. In forest, no. yeah, probably not when I was there, but well, I they had a, an international service, it was the women's, that's what it was. Mm, I did yeah, the I women's there either well. way. So, yeah, the Olympics kicking off this week. I'm really excited. I'd love the summer Olympics to watch some like water polo, badminton, table tennis, uh, beach volleyball. I love some beach volleyball, like I love watching those sports. Winter's obviously my like the a lot bigger for me, yeah. but when it's on all day, I'm gonna sit there and watch it. Are you okay with moving on? Because I want to get yeah, to the we biggest got news of the week. Yep, yep. The Seattle Kraken drafted their team as of this week, and I wanted to get your opinion and your feel for this team because I have a strong one. You uh, you have a strong opinion? Wow, that's a, yeah, that's a shocker. Mitty always has a strong opinion. Uh, listen, Seattle Kraken uh, expansion draft. They pick a guy from each team. First of all, we knew the team at 10 o'clock in the morning because all the insiders spoiled all the picks. So yeah, that's exciting. Thanks for that. No point watching the TV event anyways, yeah. because you already, yeah, knew that was frustrating. Entire, you already knew the entire team. Um, no, I think honestly, they didn't do a terrible job. I think they have a good defensive core. Like they're going to have good defense. I think scoring is going to be their issue, right? They, they pass on a lot of um, a lot of star players. And I think that's, the first thing people look at is they look at stars. They say, why didn't you take him? They don't look at the salary. They don't look at the years left on contract. They don't look at anything like that. Um, so I, I think they honestly did all right. I, I don't think they're going to pull off what Vegas did. Uh, I'd honestly be surprised if they're a playoff hockey team, but um, I, I don't think they're going to be a team that wins 10 games. Like I think they'll do all right. I think they missed a huge opportunity to be a star and a star right away i'm not saying they need to go out and take like i saw some people that were angry they didn't take alexander ovechkin that's ridiculous because he's a free agent and he's would obviously if you took him which you could do he would just re-sign with washington the next day so it'd be a waste of a pick right so there's some strategy there um it's just like matt duchene they ended up taking a player that was about a third of the the salary it seemed like everything was made choices based on salary instead Mm -hmm. of putting a contending team on the ice you know well i think that leaves them the option to go out and get players i mean you look at um they traded guys less than 24 hours after drafting them right i think it was pitlick from calgary um or they traded him to calgary yeah to calgary but like they have a lot of cap space and i think that is going to allow them to do what they really wanted to do and he's to go out and get some guys. But uh, who do you want that's better than Matt Duchesne? Well, what's Duchesne got left on his contract? Eight million, three years, four years. Right? Like, I don't know if they wanted to pick that up. But who are you going to go out and sign for less? That's the same. Like, you need some guys to play. You took 
they do. Good. And they have some guys to play. I don't yeah. think they're going to be a star studded team, but no, the noticeable additions, Jordan Eberle, uh, that's basically Mike Giordano. Those are basically yeah. the two, by the way, two former attack players uh, making... from the Leafs, right? Yeah. Who's a leaf for all of three days. <laughs> But two on-site attack players, Curtis McDermott and Mike Giordano, are on the Seattle Kraken. So congratulations to them. But it's just they had an opportunity to take Max Domi, to take uh, Tarasenko, to take Duchesne, to take, you know, they got Everly. They could have taken uh, Bailey. They could have, like, there was a whole lot of options. They could have taken Carey Price. Carey freaking Price, one of the best goaltenders to, I think to ever do it and who we just saw could carry a team to the finals. Do you think that injury thing was a bluff with Carey Price? Right? Like uh, the Canadians saying I don't think it should have mattered. He's got, well, it does matter. I mean, if he's got an injury that could limit him from playing in the year after, like, do you want to go out there and draft him? I think he's got five years left on his contract. So Still, he's getting old. Who cares? Like, you... So they drafted three goaltenders being Joy Decor, Chris Dreiger, and Vic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. I can't do that one. No, Vitek Vanajek. Sure. Is that yeah. right? I'm not Is a great right? pronunciation. I'm terrible at pronunciations. So they took three young goaltenders, one from your Ottawa Senators, which I'll get your feeling on in a second here. And I just think they had an opportunity to take two young guys and then to go out and take a Ben Bishop, you know, to take a Carey Price who you have, you can trade at mm. like, who wouldn't want Carey price if you take him and then you eat half a salary in a year's time and trade him to a team, you're going to get a good return to, for that. And you only have to eat half a salary or you can keep one of the best goaltenders in the world. I think the goalies are where they really messed up and not taking some start. Like they do have to sell tickets still, right? Like it would be nice to have a Max Domi on your team, even if he is a bit of a cancer in the room. Yeah. Well, I'll agree with you there because look back at Las Vegas a few years ago, and how they got to the success that they had in their inaugural season, a lot of it was from Fleury, right? Like mm-hmm. he carried that team to where they were. So I do, think, I from... do think they need that goalie. And like you said, you got three goalies. Take two young ones if you want something to build on. If you want some building blocks to work your way up, fine. Take some young goaltenders. But like you said, even if you have Carey Price for a year or two and those young guys can play under Carey Price, one of the greatest goaltenders in recent memory, have that for two years and then trade him away. Have that keep for him. a couple of years or keep him, right? Like you have that option. And it didn't even have to be Carey Price. There was better goaltenders out there that have winning experience that could have been a help for because the he, Seattle Kraken team. Uh, it immediately becomes, instead of, you know, Carey Price is the face of this this organization right off the hop. Instead of that, he is a negative face of this organization. He will always be connected to this organization now as what they could have had, what they could have done. But instead, they went out and took, you know, like really young guys. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's – I just think they're setting them – they set themselves up to take first, second, third rounders, a bunch of them maybe trade them, maybe keep them, but they could have went out and got some of these bigger name guys that you could trade if you want to get rid of salary. But at the same time, you could keep them to make yourselves a contending team. Look, we got a hit break because we are running out of time on this segment, but on the other side, captain Steven Sparks of Snowbird Sticks joins my good friend, Noah Smith. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life financial advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. 
Gold Line Curling is proud to support the Port Elgin Chrysler 2022 Ontario Tankard in Saugeen Shores, powered by Bruce Power, February 9th through 13th at the Plex in Port Elgin. Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Joining us now from Snowbird 6, it's Captain Stephen Sparks. Stephen, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, I've been excited to, to meet you guys. So. Unfortunately, Tyler, not here with us this week, but it is, uh, it's honestly fantastic to talk to you. We've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now and, and getting to talk to someone, we're a sports podcast, right? And, and to talk to the Snowbirds or a member of the Snowbirds is, is something that is exciting to us because we get to kind of move outside of what our normal is and, and talk to someone who does something that is super interesting. And we're just glad that you're here to do it with us. And hopefully you're as excited as we are. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, Coming from a sports background myself, I think, uh, you know, the Snowbirds, the team atmosphere, it all kind of aligns really nicely. So, Now, you talked that you come from a sports background, and we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But when did you first kind of realize that maybe the Snowbirds were something that you were interested in? Was it when you saw them as a kid or maybe was it later on in life when you were like, hey, this is something that I'm really interested in? Yeah, no, it was definitely something that happened uh, later on. Um I didn't decide to get into uh, the military until I was about 25. And at that point, it was like all, all guns a blazing, firing to, to see how I could make that happen, to, to get in and, and become a, a pilot with the, the Canadian Forces. Um, it wasn't until I was uh, posted in Moose Jaw as an instructor that I saw the opportunities there over at uh, 431 Squadron to become potentially a snowbird. Uh, saw some of the guys that were ahead of me uh, some of my instructors at the time uh, had been uh, selected and, and were enjoying the team and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what, why not give it a shot? It seemed like a really cool opportunity. And again, coming from that uh, sports background, I, I felt uh, being a part of the team is, is huge uh, for me in my life. It was kind of the goal that uh, I wanted to accomplish coming out of university as well as to find that atmosphere, that work-life balance where you could have that team atmosphere and, and that motivation. Uh, so it, it felt like a good fit. And, uh, you know, obviously it took a lot to, to try out and, and yeah, uh, luckily uh, I, I'm here. So now did yeah. you, before you got into the armed forces, did you have any interest in flying? Did you have any experience flying or was there nothing going into it? And it was something you just got into. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a funny story. Uh, I was a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, uh, in Hamilton and, uh, I felt a loss without the team, uh, without being around that all the time and training and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up as a base brat when I was a little kid. My parents were both in the Air Force, but uh, not not flying uh, per se, but, uh, you know, being stationed in places like Germany uh, and base board and stuff like that, I was around a little bit of that military environment. So it kind of had some seed in my mind, but I, it wasn't something I really thought about while I was in school. It wasn't until that point in life where I was, you know, I need to change something up and do something different and, and create a new challenge for myself. And then that's where uh, I dove into trying to join the military. Now, you talked about uh, being in Hamilton. And, and of course, in Hamilton, you were going to uh, McMaster playing football for the Marauders, the quarterback there. Tell us about that experience and how that kind of helped shape who you are today and make you a good part of the Snowbirds team. Yeah, well, going back to, to 
you know, when I was little and started playing football in Hamilton, uh, every coach along the way kind of influenced that discipline in me to, to, you know, strive for, for greater and, and always be working on, on like your craft, if you will. Right. And, uh, when I got to McMaster, it was just a great environment of professionalism that I saw there. And, uh, they really trained not just, you know, the football side of things, but just, that personality side of things, you know, the commitments of things, the, uh, the not, uh, you know, not faltering in the face of adversity, you know, there's going to be things that you're going to, you're going to go through, uh, whether it be riding the bench for a couple of years, that kind of stuff that you're going to see that you maybe didn't see before. And it's seeing those kinds of things through and, and really, uh, you know, being there for the team. And, and that kind of stuff that, that just builds character, right? So I felt like uh, that has contributed to to who I am, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the team atmosphere and, and playing football, of course, at McMaster, and then later on becoming a part of the Snowbirds team. There's so many things and so many parts of that that carry over. You talk about the, the teamwork, the mentality, of course, um, the adversity that you face both on the field and now in the air, uh, how much of that is carried over? Like, do you find yourself shocked sometimes that you're like, this is adversity that I've felt before in the past? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that carries over the most is the accountability. I think every athlete, when you, you know, go to, to from watching game tape to, to now watching our film uh, post-practice and post-show, it's the same kind of mentality, right? You hold yourself accountable for the things that you, uh, went in error for uh, throughout the flight or whether, you know, as a quarterback through an interception on this play, cause you're not looking the right direction or you're misreading the field. Right. So a lot of that uh, I feel is the same accountability and that it comes up in the debriefs and it's, it's in the mannerism of how you hold your team to that standard. Right. It's, it's not a bunch of people pointing fingers at each other. It's everyone come to the table with like, here's what I did wrong. And here's how I'm going to change those things. Right. So I think that's the biggest carryover. Now, do you guys with the Snowbirds have a lot of, uh, I don't want to call it necessarily training, like in the gym or stuff like that, but do you guys go over game plans and stuff before you get up in the air? Uh, you know, what you're going to go through through the day and then debrief, like you said, after the flights, do you guys do a lot of that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Uh, our day in the wintertime when we're in our training season is uh, dedicated to two flights to three flights a day. Uh, but a lot of that day is built around the brief before you do the hour long a longest hour long flight and then you're into a, a debrief right and then you've got lunch quickly for 20 minutes or whatever and then you're doing the same thing again uh so the the time that goes into just the discipline of the briefs uh yeah is huge right like there's a there's a method to each brief and how we do it to keep it as succinct as we can to make sure that we're very detail oriented and uh, when we walk through our actual flight at the, just like the tail end of the brief, we'll actually walk through our flight just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, so we're going through our comms and, you know, visualizing everything that you're going to go through just in the same way you would with uh, sports. Now, for a lot of people that might not know, you know, a whole lot about the snowbirds, maybe they've seen them fly a few times overhead. There's not really exactly seasons per se, but there kind of is, right? I mean, you guys have your performance season where you guys are around the country and then you guys obviously have, like you mentioned, your training season. Can you kind of outline what a typical year looks like for the Snowbirds? Yeah, so the airshow season, depending on uh, the, the year, can start as early as uh, May um, and it'll go to the end of October. And usually in May, October, 
uh, timelines because summer isn't quite reached in uh, in Canada. We might be doing some American shows, but then the bulk of that summer is traveling around Canada and getting air shows uh, to as much as the Canadian population as we can, right? Uh, when we get back in October from those American shows, uh, it's back to business and we're rotating out some of the team players every year. So there's always uh, training to be done to bring in new members, right? Uh, so not only are we rebuilding what is potentially a new show for the next season, but we're uh, training new individuals to fly with us. Uh, so And that takes a lot of time. Uh, you train kind of that crawl, walk, run fashion, right? So you start from small formations that slowly build up to doing some maneuvers. And then you start to bring all the players back into the formation and, and start putting those maneuvers together. And then you break it again, go back down to training again for a different maneuver and, and again, rebuild it up like that. And you do that throughout the winter. And like I said, it's two to three flights per day of that uh, day in, day out uh, to, to build that team. And then when we uh, get to April timeline, April, May timeline, that's where we go to Comox for a few weeks and put that whole show and all those players together and start really training for the season with that final product. Now, you guys obviously traveling around the country and you kind of mentioned it there, also going down into the States for shows. How tough is that for you guys going from time zone to time zone? I mean, even in the scheduling of this interview to get you guys on, it's been incredibly tough with the time difference changing from week to week, day to day. How tough is it for you guys to try and just get used to something and, and obviously the time change? Yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, obviously, unlike the training season, where we're flying two to three times a day. We're at least only probably flying, uh, you know, four four to five times a week uh, while we're on the road. So, uh, you know, once per day at most kind of thing. So that, that usually makes things a little bit easier uh, unless we're on a transit day where we're doing hop after hop after hop to get somewhere. Um, as for the time zones, yeah, it certainly plays a factor, especially, you know, when you go from uh, getting used to being, you know, on the West Coast and now transitioning to East Coast, that time zone definitely makes the uh, the mornings a little more challenging. But um but in general, you know, you, you kind of lose track of what day of the week it is because uh, every day is a different day uh, in a different city uh, a lot of the time. So it, but it makes it fun and entertaining, right? Always something to see, always people to meet, which is great. Always changing. It's not your uh, not your Monday to Friday job, always doing something different, which for a lot of people it is an adventure all on its own, right? I mean, you don't know what you're going to see in a day. You don't know what you're going to do. And, and I can imagine that's exciting for you guys going to all these different places and, and seeing all these different places as well. Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, I started with the team last year and obviously last year was a different season with, uh, with all the events that transpired for uh, COVID uh, with doing op inspiration and stuff like that and having kind of a different footprint in, in how we're reaching to, to the Canadian audience audience. And, uh, so it's certainly been different for our scheduling uh, and it, it's kind of played again into this year a little bit where we're not seeing show sites every weekend. We're maybe doing op inspiration type flights over different locations uh, throughout. So uh, yeah, it makes things different. It uh, certainly is good for us to, to try and reach out as much as we can to the, to the public, even though we can't necessarily be face to face all the time. Right. Now, I mentioned off the top that you are snowbird number six, which according to the website is the outer right wing. To someone and to a lot of our listeners, myself included, what does that mean? Obviously, you're on the right side, but what does that mean in terms of where you are in the formation and what role you play with the snowbirds? 
Yeah, so, uh, well, as you know, we are kind of based out of that diamond formation. So I'm on the back right side, uh, which means I'm flying usually uh, off of a few other people, uh, whereas someone who's in the inner position right off the, the lead uh, wing would be focused mostly on the lead. I have a few other references to work off of. Um, so uh, it's interesting because my air box is probably a little bit bigger to make larger movements on the outside of the formation, especially, uh, you know, in, in, a, in, in a turn circle, uh, my turn circle is going to be much wider on the outside. Uh, so that makes things a little bit uh, different for me, for sure. Uh, as an outer with all the changing formations, I get to move around a lot. So you'll see in the show, the outers are kind of all over the place. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly what you're doing all the time or, you know, from the ground, even say, where are the outers at this point? Because uh, we're moving around a lot. So that makes the job really interesting and exciting. Um, but uh, when it comes to the craft of of flying, maybe an inner position to be stable for everyone around you, the whole flight uh, is a whole different challenge, right? So it's it's each position has its own challenge. Obviously, the solos with their high speed passes and misses and stuff like that are doing uh, other interesting things as well that are super challenging. So each position has its own things. Now, is there a position that you would find more interesting? Obviously, you love what you do and you love the spot you're in, but uh, would you like to have been like a lead or someone who's in a different position or is there is there room to change and get into something like that? So, uh, back to the question, yeah, I was uh, flying as uh, as a two at the time, training up to be a, a position as, as an inner. But as we saw new members come onto the team and had to kind of move guys around. Uh, I moved back to an outer position to allow a more junior guy to fly as the uh, inner position. Um, and, you know, you'll you'll go through a training season and you'll stay in that one spot for that season, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to stay in that spot. Uh, kind of the mentality on the team is that if you can fly one position, you can fly any of them. So. Now, flying around the country and going to all these different places, uh, mostly as a pilot, but also just as a tourist when you're on the ground, is there a favorite place that you've been to in Canada uh, that you've just loved to fly into and, and since you've become a snowbird back in 2019? Um, favorite? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I always like going to places where I'm meeting new people and seeing new things. So I, I think... You know, as much as I like bringing the jet home or, you know, going flying around uh, southern Ontario or even northern Ontario because I lived there for a while uh, is exciting. It's it's also exciting for me to go to new places. Uh, trying to think from off inspiration, just being out in Greenwood was a cool experience to see a place. You know, I, I, I hadn't much, spent much time in Nova Scotia, so it was kind of cool to, to see that and, and definitely enjoy some, some of the bases we've been to, like Bagotville. Uh, to see some of the people there and get accustomed to more of, uh, you know, French uh, culture there was, was really cool. So. So what's kind of next for the snowbirds? I know going forward, you guys obviously have a bit uh, busy end of the summer jam packed with air shows and then getting obviously into your training season, but the rest of this summer, obviously with COVID restrictions lifting a little bit, there's going to be some air shows planned. Hopefully you guys can get on the ground. Do you have anything big planned for the snowbirds coming up this summer? Well, yeah, as the summer picks up, we expect to see more uh, actual shows, which will be good. Like, uh, you know, this uh, this weekend coming up, we're actually doing our first Canadian air show uh, in Camrose. And then uh, we should be doing Abbotsford there shortly after. 
Um, so it's going to be good to, to, to start seeing more of the actual fundamental of an air show. I know they're a little different this year uh, with some of them being drive-in. Still not the face-to-face -face kind of thing that you're used to with the crowd. Um, but I think it'll build up as the summer goes on and we see hopefully some changes with the uh, COVID protocols and, and moving forward to more normal ops uh, for everybody, right? Absolutely. And I hate to kind of go to a somber note, but um, in the news, obviously, last year, we know of the crash with the Captain Jennifer Casey back in May. What was that like for the team? And, and did it kind of bring you guys to a realization of how dangerous things can be sometimes flying for a living? Yeah, it's definitely a reminder of the job that you do and, and how seriously you need to take uh, every day in training and every day that you're, you're, you're flying those jets. Uh, it's a uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speak to it too much, but it, it's definitely one of those things that makes you realize what you're you're doing and, and the significance of the training that goes into that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll leave it at that. For... Absolutely. Uh, now, for people that are looking to kind of uh, either get involved with seeing, watching the snowbirds in their local area, what are some ways that they can kind of follow you guys around? Because obviously, like we've talked about it throughout the course of the show, your schedule is all over the place. You're all over the country, all over North America. How can people follow the snowbirds? Yeah, so the biggest thing is our social media platforms. Uh, our, our public affairs officer is working uh, night and day trying to put out information with uh, updated changes, all the stuff through Instagram. And he's even got stuff on uh, uh, Facebook and stuff like that. So th those are the, probably the best ways. I know there's multiple um, individuals on the team that also have our separate accounts and stuff like that to try and keep people apprised of what's going on. Uh, but the biggest one would be our CF Snowbirds uh, pages that uh, allow people to follow on those social media, media platforms. And like I said, uh, Gab, our uh, public affairs officers working, uh, you know, twenty four seven to try and keep those things updated so that people know what's going on uh, minute to minute because <laughs> changes are always coming. Like even today, we we're we were supposed to be flying over Edmonton uh, a little bit uh, with the weather. It, it didn't work out, so we'll see what's next and and kind of adapt, right? Absolutely. It can always be tough with all those changes, especially when you're doing something that often relies a lot on the weather. You're going to see those changes a lot. Uh, one final thing here, and just for some people I know that are going to be interested in um, how you got into uh, being a snowbird and how maybe they can get involved. Is there a certain path that you would recommend for people who are looking to kind of get involved in what you're doing? Yeah, you definitely have to be interested in, in wanting to be, you know, a flyer or a technician uh, with with the aircraft, right? So that's the, the first thing is, is to recognize that uh, that passion for those things if you want to do that. Obviously, the Canadian Forces has so many other uh, opportunities for so many different interests and careers. And at the end of the day, that's our job is to go out there and show people that, hey, look at the, you know, the teamwork and skill, the professionalism that goes into being uh, in the Canadian Forces and, and all the different options that are out there. Uh, if you're looking to specifically get into snowbirds, it's definitely a long road of getting through pilot training and, and getting yourself, uh, getting your feet wet in that environment uh, and hopefully making it through the process of uh, selection uh, thereafter if you do get the opportunity to try out. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of steps involved in just getting into this Canadian Forces and going through the basic training and all that kind of stuff as well, right? So you, you have to be passionate about uh, you know, representing your country at the end of the day. Not easy, but certainly worth it from what you've uh, what you've said today, Stephen. Listen, thanks for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, once again, Captain Stephen Sparks, Snowbird 6, joining us here on the Smitty Media Show. Stephen, thanks.
Thank you for having me. It's great talking to you. All right, that was Captain Steven Sparks from Snowbird 6 joining us here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. A big thank you to him and a big thank you to the Snowbirds, the Canadian Forces Snowbirds, for letting him join us to talk about, you know, how he got into being a snowbird and, and what goes in to being someone that flies for a living and, and really just to entertain us and show us what it's like to be a member of the Canadian forces and, and especially the Canadian forces snowbirds. So a big thank you to all of them for joining us. Hey, listen, we have a fairly short episode this week because it was recorded early. Life gets in the way sometimes, you know, when you have a busy life, but thank you for listening with us this week on the podcast. A big thank you goes out to our sponsors, Gold Line curling, the choice of champions and Dave Middleton at Sun Life financial in Ken Carden. Life is brighter under the sun. Thank you to them. And thank you to our producer shirtless Kev, for helping us make everything possible and doing all the little dirty work behind the scenes that he does. A big thank you goes out to him. Thanks for listening this week. Make sure you join us next week as we have more baseball talk coming up on the podcast as well as our radio show and TV show on Rogers TV London. But thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week.